What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane. I appreciate you listening, as always. Um, this podcast is going to be fun because I'm going to start by talking about John Wick, and then I'm going to get into what the topic is. So, if you've seen John Wick 1 and 2, then you've pretty much seen John Wick 3. I'm not going to like spoil anything for you. Just know, I, I don't know what the death toll is in the movie. It's, it's in the hundreds. A lot of people get put down, um, and John Wick is just doing God's work pretty much throughout the whole movie. So it's definitely a go watch it if you like that kind of stuff. I will say this. I was I was struck with something that happened during the movie, and it was more like a, I think it was an enemy of him at some point in the movie, and they were like, why are you doing all this killing? If you haven't seen John Wick 1, this is not a spoiler. You should have watched it already. Essentially, he was a former assassin, got out of the life, became a regular dude, and his wife died. And some like mobster-type people like killed his dog and took his car, and then he became an assassin again. That's pretty much how the movie starts. And now we're in the third movie. This is you know five years later. And they were like, John, how many more people are you going to kill? For a puppy? And for a dog? And it was like... Yeah, that really is his motivation for this. This isn't some overarching, like, Denzel movie where he's trying to get to the head of something. He's just murdering people who are trying to kill him. It's it's, it's pretty straightforward, um, which is why people like it. But I realized that, like, people root for John Wick. He is liked in the movie despite the fact that he has very little personality. And he's killed an unreasonable amount of people because of a dog and because of a car. And I was wondering, why do people root for him? Is it just because people like dogs and cars? And it's like, yeah, I guess that 400-person death toll is worth a puppy. Like, I was trying to figure out the logistics of it. And it got me thinking about why we root for certain people, especially in movies and sports, and then why we you know, don't like other people. And in John Wick's case, I think the sheer like badassness of it is what people are rooting for. Just the dude... Who's just like, I'm just taking everybody out. There's something brolic and there's something like outrageously manly about it. It's kind of what the Punisher is too, as a character, where it's just like the idea that it's 15 against one and the odds are like still in one guy's favor. It's like, oh man, these are all trained assassins. And the idea that, man, I wish I was that. Because I think people root for one of two people. They root for a version of themselves they see in someone else, or they root for a person they wish they could be. I think that's kind of what it, it may be another one. I haven't thought it through past that point, but in John Wick's case, we love it because it's like, man, can you imagine if I could just take this gun, blah, 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 two to the chest, one to the head, 15 assassins, barely get injured, and just, and just be that dude, just that tunnel vision murderer kind of guy. Not like you want to kill people, but just like the the coolness of it. And then people also rooted for like Rocky though. And Rocky was, you know, five foot seven heavyweight, <laughs> which is obviously ridiculous. You know, 180 pounds fighting 240 pound people. And just the idea of him being the ultimate underdog, people rooted for that. To the tune of, what, six Rocky movies and two Creed movies? Um, I may even be missing a movie in there. And it's one of the most beloved things. They have a statue of him in Philadelphia. A movie. Rocky's not a real dude. 
like they made a movie about it because they made, they made a statue about it because it was so beloved and so ahead of its time. It like just the idea that I know I'm not technically better than you. I know I'm not faster. I know I'm not bigger, but I got the most heart. This is the same thing of Rudy and like movies of that ilk where you're just like, man, I just want this little guy to have a chance to make it. And what, Invincible? I don't even know who the player who Invincible is based on, but it's the same kind of thing. But then in the same breath, we root for like Michael Jordan, who is six foot six, so he didn't miss the genetic lottery at all. He went to Carolina, arguably the best college you can go to for sports, drafted top three, and then won uncount, uncounted MVPs and championships. And yet, yeah, his contemporaries didn't like him, but like the world at large did. And so. He's not an underdog in any sense. I know he has that high school story where he got cut in high school and then came back. But then post that, he was like a five-star recruit. He was a freshman champion. He made the game win a shot. And then he was rookie of the year and then MVP like six times. So it's like, yeah, he wasn't an underdog past that high school moment. Every moment after that, he was a champion. And he was great. And he was better than everybody else. And yet, George's been retired for 20 years, probably. And he still has a top-selling shoe. People still buy his jersey. He's still Jordan. He's still talked about on a weekly basis on sports shows. Still beloved. So it was it was an interesting um, juxtaposition between the two because yeah, the two don't the two don't they don't quite add up if you don't think about it critically. And then you have to apply this to like real life as well because we're talking about athletes and movies and these are fictional people, so it's hard to like really get behind them. But there are people in our day-to-day lives that we want to see do well. And in those cases, I think, at least in my opinion, I want to see people do well who I think have good intentions, who I think don't try to like play people. Like, let's say if you're just a super honest, sweet person, this is a girl or a guy, and I think your intentions towards people are genuine and valid, and maybe you just... You know, you've been, pa- you've been passed over. Because in the business world and a lot of stuff, in the real world, being super nice and kind and all that, it's not beneficial to you. It's seen as a detriment. You're seen as weak. So it's, that's the whole adage to let the nice guy finish last kind of thing. In business and in like the real world, a lot of times, yeah, that's true. If you're just a super sweet, now you go ahead, I'll get the next one. And I'm just trying to be communal and all that. Yeah, you can get passed over. But when you see that someone, even in the face of that evidence, like even though they know I'm being passed over, I know I'm not getting what I deserve, I'm going to stick to my convictions and be this good part of person. Part of you identifies with that. It's like good-hearted people deserve, I guess deserves maybe a weird word. Good-hearted people, I think it would be nice to see them win. I think that's a better way of saying that. Because deserve, I don't know if anybody deserves anything. I mean, life is generally kind of fair or unfair, however you want to see it across the board. But we do want to see good people make it. And conversely, we want to see people who we think are douchebags or dicks or whatever not make it. Nobody wants to see the guy who lied his way to the top make it. No woman likes to see another woman who just slept her way to the top be her CEO. It's like when you went to college and did all the other stuff. Like there's something innate about that that it's like you didn't you don't feel like you earned it. 
and now you're just here. You're in this position because of what? Because you cheated the system or, you know, you manipulated the game. Like, it's something to that. I think my best friend is my best friend because he's a dude that's easy to root for, mostly because he's ridiculous. It's just... Let's just be honest. All right, he's he's a ridiculous person. In a good way. I think he's he's a little socially awkward, but generally he can he can coexist. Um but he's a he's a he's a sweet chill dude, but he's a, there's a childishness about him that's kind of endearing. Because where adults would be like, "Man, we can't do that. We're adults. We have things to do." He'll just "Hey, man, why not? And it's like, well, because we're like 30 and adults and we can't just why not stuff. But then you can. You just, your brain doesn't allow you to think that way because you have all the constructs of being an adult. His constructs are a little looser than most. And so he just does childish stuff, which turns out to be fun when you're an adult, actually. But because he's such a, like a nice and sweet dude, um, like he gets pushed over sometimes. Usually by women, but also in his job, but mostly with women. And when I when I see it as a friend, it like it bothers me like on a friend level. I'm like, man, that's that's my boy. I don't want to see my boy go through this. So I'm like, you know, that protective friend thing. But also, it's like if it was a not a my, not my boy, but it could have been a normal normal dude telling me the same situation. I would be like, bro, I want you to, I want to see you make it. I want to see you find. Someone who appreciates you for who you are, someone who um, validates and affirms the good in you and wants to be a part of that, not someone that makes you want to be some somebody else. Like, I don't want to see that. So that's a big part of, I think, the inception of our friendship was kind of like that. Where I saw him and I was like, oh, he's just like a, a goofball. He's just a, a big dude. I want to see him do some cool stuff. And I think that's why he's friends with me, because I'm kind of opposing on that side um i'm not really a pushover and i don't get played as often although like everybody we all play the fool we all get you know you guys heard the last podcast sometimes you get knocked off your square you gotta re gotta reset so i'm not infallible i I catch it too but generally we're on the opposite sides of this and so what happens is my rigidity and my practicality um buffs up against this childishness and goofiness and then we kind of pull each other back and forth and it's like there's a balance between the two and i've said on previous podcasts if i could if i can have someone achieve what their goals are um and live out what kind of what their dreams are he's one of the people that would be high up on that list obviously i got a lot of family i gotta like take care of but given what he is given what he wants given his temperament his family all that stuff like, I want to see him do well. I root for him. I'm sure he roots for me, too. We don't. We haven't had that conversation. But I root for him. And it's not like he, he hasn't had, like, a tragic life or anything. He has his parents. He has his siblings. Like, he's had a pretty good life up to this point. Although, if someone does have tragedy in their life, that also makes you root for him, too. We all know the person, personally, who, when they start telling you their story, where they're from, you're just like, What? Yeah, you know, I was in three foster homes and, you know, lost my parents when I was young and, you know, developed this condition. And they just start talking. And it's like, dude, this sounds like a Lifetime movie. Like, what? 
Yeah, man. And, you know, I was had cancer for a couple of years. It's in remission now, but it can always come back. They just start telling you their story. And it's not something you would ever know if they didn't tell you because they exist so smoothly in the world that it's like, dude, how are you walking around so composed and so together when just listening to you tell me your story is pulling at heartstrings? I'm getting teary-eyed listening to you. And you're just walking around like, oh, I'm going to go to you know, Panera for, for lunch. And it's like, yeah, Panera, forget all that, dude. What about your life? Like, it's... I've met a number of people like this. They start telling you their story, and you just... I think I can't believe you lived through that and got to where you got now and that you made some normalcy out of that ridiculous upbringing. And that's something you root for, too. It's like people who persevere, I think, are universally re- like revered. That's why people... Like the Jordan flu game. That's why people like Willis Reed. That's why people like uh, people who come back from injuries or, or or like musicians who, you know, have drug problems and then go to rehab and then come back. I think a large part of why Robert Downey Jr. is so beloved, uh, aside from the fact that he's a tremendous Iron Man, shed a tear, and, <laughs> and an overall great actor, but it's like the fact that he almost threw his whole career away with drugs and stuff, and then came back, and since 08, since Tropic Thunder and Iron Man dropped, hasn't, from what we can tell, skipped the beat. He's just been kind of moving up forward. Like, it's, people root for him, even though he was born into Hollywood, you know, Silver Spoon, blah, blah, blah. Like, we like when people overcome something. How many movies are based on this? Like, The Blind Side got what? Like, got Sandra Bullock and Oscar. And that story is... I mean, we usually go to sports because sports is something that we can all kind of sit back and appreciate. But just real life people, like the struggle they have to deal with. You know, like I know people who I work with, and they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, I got to rush home." And I'm like, "Oh, you got to like walk your dog." And it's like, "Oh no, um, no, my mom's on dialysis or something." And then I got to go from there to look after my sister's kids. And I was like, "Wait, wait, what? What? What's all this? What's all this stuff?" And it's like, "Yeah, you know." At a certain point, you push through. It's actually amazing what the human spirit and 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 a will can do once it's pushed. Like we're very elastic as people, and I think we think of ourselves as you know. We all think we're strong until I think we're pushed, and then you start. Then you have weaknesses, and then you realize you have to overcome weaknesses to be strong again. But like, it's amazing how people can deal with how normalcy can just reset in. Because like, the body is meant, and the mind, I think, is meant to find homeostasis. We're trying to find some baseline. And so when crazy stuff happens, it knocks you around. Like You're like, oh, man, like my schedule, my sleep, my food, all that stuff is all over the place. And then at a certain point, you kind of find a rhythm. You, you just adapt, and then you just kind of keep going. And then before you know it, you don't, see your situation as what it was. And it's like, yeah, it's just rough, but, I mean, if I wasn't here, the whole system would fall apart. So really, as rough as it is, I'm happy to be at the center of it because I can keep everything else afloat. You can almost repackage it where it's like, this isn't even a tragedy. This is really just me you know, cutting my teeth and becoming a better version of myself because of what I'm going through to get to somewhere else. It's a really amazing thing. I didn't realize in my own life, 
you know, where I had gone until I started telling people. Because people occasionally want to ask you, you know, where you're from, parents, blah, blah, blah. And you start talking. And just the way they react to it, you realize, man, you you did what? And you just sit back and say, oh, yeah, that's that's old news, though. Like, like you don't know your accomplishments. You don't know what you've been through in the moment. It's only like in retrospect, you look back and say, oh, yeah, I guess... I guess that was rough, not eating. But then your body just, you just treat it like you're fasting and you just kind of keep going, right? You can just kind of repackage it and keep moving forward. And as a result, people respect you more and then they kind of root for you. I think aside from being tremendously blessed, which I know I am, and I've said many times like, oh, I don't deserve you know, the love people give me and all that stuff. I'm saying like, it's not... It's not reciprocal, meaning I I didn't give it to receive it. Maybe like we can reverse engineer it where I get it first and then I give it back later. But I didn't give it first, but I got it. In a lot of cases, people gave me time, attention. They gave me love without me really having to do anything but being myself. And I think one of my one of my clients told me recently, I like I had like a couple coworkers come up to me uh, during one of our sessions, come up to us because my client is dope. And they were just like, you know, talking, interrupting really, but it's fine. And he left, when they left, he was like, I see why people like gravitate towards us. I'm like, no, they're not talking to me. They're talking to you, dude. You're like big time guy. He's like, yeah, but I've been a member before we trained and they didn't talk to me. Like there's something, there's something that people like about you. And that's why they feel comfortable coming up to me and you because they didn't talk to you individually like that or me individually, but we came together and all of a sudden it's like, boom. And I think he's only only known me for a couple months. I think he's picking up on something that I didn't know I was giving off. But I think he's essentially said, I see why people mess with you. And all I do is try to be, you know, authentic in whatever way you can be in L.A. and all that stuff. But I don't. I try to be honest with my people, my, my clients, and my coworkers with how I feel, and I just try to live out what that is. And I'm, I'm ridiculous in a lot of ways. I goofy a lot, um, randomly philosophical when no one asks for it, really. But at the end of the day, people, I think they see some genuine thing about me. I'm an underdog, I guess, in some ways, but in a lot of ways. Like I'm not. I'm not. I don't have any crazy physical maladies. Um, like I look good enough to like do what I want to do. I'm not a model, but I'm not a bum dude. Like I'm in good shape. You know, it's just like my mind's in good standing, I guess. So like in a lot of ways, like no, I'm like most people. And then other ways, it's like okay, cool. I see why people would, but ultimately, I think I. That's a position I don't mind having. I've mentioned before, I don't I don't like the idea of being like elevated to a level where you can fall and disappoint people. I think that's a real that's a weird place to be. Where people like let's let's take a small example. Let's say Tom Hanks is right revered. Tom Hanks is Hollywood no gold. His movies sell. He's tremendous. As far as I know, I haven't heard any missteps with like women or Me Too stuff. Like Tom Hanks has been Teflon for almost 30 years. 
So people have built him up to be the all-American Tom Hanks dude. I never heard Tom Hanks build himself up, but they have. So if something happened and he fell off, then that would be really devastating to a lot of people. But if like Nick Nolte did something, they'll be like, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He's he is what he is. Um, so I don't I don't mind being like celebrated. I guess going forward, like people will say we like what his work, we like his personality and all that stuff. I don't want to be a martyr for anything or like elevated to the level where people can. Say, man, I thought he was this guy. He disappointed me. He's this dude. But if I'm, if I'm someone people root for, then to me, that's actually a little bit, it's not as much pressure. But I think the love is the same. Because when you revere somebody, like you're like, you know, making them almost like a deity, you're putting a lot of devotion to it. But when you root for somebody, you're just giving them a lot of love, but you're not necessarily devoted to them. And I think I want the love without the devotion because that's weird. And because we're fallible people, it's inevitable I'm going to miss up at some point and I don't want to have people like build me up and then I let them down. So this is just something I was thinking about that being rooted for. I don't know if this applies to you guys, if it's something you can think back on. I'm sure the part of us knowing people who've been through a lot, that part is relatable, but the rest of it was just, this was just on my mind and I just saw John Wick and I was just like, what? And so it got me on this topic, but um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, tell your friends, family, all that good stuff. And I support. I appreciate the support. And I will see you guys next time. Deuces. <laughs>